This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's Monday, time for our Zoomer squad. And Zoomers are still reeling from that catastrophic Rogers outage. And so is the healthcare system and businesses and law enforcement and banks who couldn't process anything but cash. Now, I want to correct a bit of misinformation that is out there. And I have been hearing a lot of people saying that landlines work. Now, since this happened on Friday, I have been saying Rogers landlines did not work. If you had a Bell landline connected to a jack, that worked. But people who had Rogers landline were out of luck. And uh, it's, it's horrible because it's a safety hazard. And I've already heard one story about someone who possibly lost their life because they could not find a working phone to call 911 in a timely way. Meanwhile, we are hearing about emergency rooms closing around the country. I would like to hear from you. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. 40. And now I'd like to welcome the squad, David Kravitz, Vice President of Zoomer Media and Chief Membership Officer at CARP, Peter Mugridge, Senior Editor of Zoomer Magazine, and Daryl Bricker, CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs. Hello, everyone. Hi, Libby. Hi, Libby. Hi everyone. Hello. Hello. So uh, I have been hearing from a lot of people who feel very vulnerable because of this, older people who say, hey, even my landline didn't work. What would have happened if there was an emergency, David? Well, I think this seniors, first of all, are vulnerable all the time. When there's a blizzard, seniors are more vulnerable. When something goes down, seniors are more vulnerable because it's a higher population in absolute numbers of people who are alone, possibly isolated, don't have a support system nearby, are less mobile. So it is very serious. And I think we have to take a hard look at um, what is the infrastructure really and how solid is it really? This was a 15 hour. This wasn't just a, a short term glitch where you could go to your neighbor and get something done. This was like a massive nationwide problem. And uh, I'm not surprised that lives were at risk uh, as a result of this. Well, and, and you know, even when it came back up, it was intermittent. I mean, this is, I mean, funny, not really funny. I, I got an email from a listener uh, about this fact that Roger's landlines were out. And uh, she said, um, even Roger's, nobody, well, we were saying she said, nobody is saying that Roger's landlines were out. And I tried to tell her we've been saying that. We will continue to say that. And I tried to respond to her email twice, and uh, it didn't get through. Didn't get through. So her internet is, is still down. Uh, right. Daryl, uh, is this going to involve permanent damage to Roger's? 
Well, I think the the, uh, the the potential damage is much bigger than just to Rogers. I mean, if this is at the tail end or even midway through, you know, history will tell us of a whole series of things that just don't seem to be working in this country that are basic infrastructure. So if this was just, the, you know, this an, an outage by Rogers and everything else was going fine, and remember, Rogers is a federally regulated institution, uh, by the, the, the CRTC. Uh, but this follows on the line along with airports not working, the passport system not working, hospitals, you know, emergency rooms not working, a whole bunch of things that are considered to be basic services not working. And what this does is adds up to the sense that uh, something's not going right in this country. And it's just kind of one more piece of evidence that uh, are putting people on the, uh, giving people the view that this country is not on the right track. So it's, I think it's more about, it's about much more than just the outage that took place. I, I totally agree with you, but even on the outage that just took place, Peter, I mean, you know, we've all been uh, bundling because it's cheaper that way. We've been cutting the cord. We've been getting rid of our landlines uh, and, and even older people. Are, have been doing that. So do you see a backlash against that? Yeah, the, the problem with a backlash is uh, where are you going to go? You know, like... Um, <laughs> Tweedledum and Tweedledee. You're going to go to Bell and then it's going to happen to Bell or you're going to go to Bell and then Rogers is going to offer an enticing package for you to go back. So there's really there's really very little competition in Canada. And, and if if the, um, the Rogers-Shaw deal goes through, there'll be even less... And um, I think what happens is when you have these huge uh, monopolies and something goes wrong with one of them, there's no, <laughs> there's no one else to pick up the slack. There's no one else to turn to. Like half the nation is, is off their phone and half can't go um, to the, you know, buy stuff unless they have cash. And, you know, people, especially people living in rural uh, Canada, which a lot of older people, they're, they're, what happens if if they have a heart attack? Like, how do they connect? Exactly. You, there's no way you can't you can't sort of go out in your rooftop and shout, or because there's no one there to hear you. So um, th- these kind of things happen when you you have so few players owning the whole market. And um, I, I hope the Roger Shaw deal is affected by this. I hope it's taken into consideration. I don't think it will, but um, we certainly need more players than than these two giants. Well, you, and you know what, Peter? Uh, I will be exploring that with a telecom expert uh, towards the end of the show about whether this will affect that $26 billion merger. Right. But, you know, like you, I have this feeling, you know, these big guys, they just do whatever they want. We, the customers, are patsies. And and that was, that was especially clear, Libby, when the length of time it took them to issue either um, an alert or even, a, a, and much later, an apology. And uh, it, it, they just—they don't care. They—they they have half the market, and they don't care. Well, it's—it's it's funny. I—I—I I, I know someone uh, from inside there, and I said, you know, like that was really bad, and. And she said, oh, it's just because there are so many people who have to approve their message. Right. Okay. Uh, but you know what? Yeah. If there was somebody who just had an inkling of what the little people are thinking and they would know from, you know, just the, the gruesomeness at the airport and the lack of communication from Air Canada, that maybe the important thing is to get something out right. quickly. Right. Yeah, and, I agree. 
And and I I want to make uh, one point to people out there because uh, I know I'm a Rogers customer. Everything was cut off, except we still had radio. Right. <laughs> I turned on the radio, so number one, I knew that things were working pretty well here, but but I also uh, could find out what the situation was, because I couldn't find out from my television or from my internet. Yeah, I, I heard I heard it on, on the, um, the news report on 740 in the morning. Well, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, just when we thought that, you know, or we keep, we keep being told that we are legacy media on the way out, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe this is not the worst thing that could happen for us, Daryl. Am I, uh, <laughs> uh, well, you know, you still, and, and also the, the radio still has a lot of credibility. I mean, just following, you know, the, the bundle of traditional media, television, newspapers, print newspapers, and, and, uh, and radio still have the highest credibility of all the media sources that are out there. But I wanted to extend this to beyond, you know, just Rogers and looking at Rogers. I mean, it's like blaming a cat for killing a bird, right? <laughs> uh, you, a cat's just going to do what a cat's going to do. The real issue that we're dealing with here is the regulatory environment that allows this. That yeah. has allowed this situation to occur. The regulatory environment that has allowed the situation at our airports to occur, the situation in our in our in our airline industry to occur, and that is a political uh, responsibility. Getting mad at corporations for doing things that the regulatory system allows them to do. I mean, it's 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 it's. I guess it's satisfying in the short term, but the real issue that we're dealing with in this country that allowed this situation to be created was a regulatory system that does not support competition in this country. Right. Well, it, it's, it's, of, it's in any of these large sectors. It's, it's a long, it's a long tradition. It, uh, he's right because if you take a look at uh, the dairy farmers, if you take a look at the regime that allowed Air Canada to have less competition, the bias of government in Canada. I'm not making a. Uh, it doesn't matter what party's in power. The bias seems to be in favor of producers, protect Canadian producers, and the heck with Canadian consumers. So whoever the consumer is, is always getting the short end in order to cost it and cushion and protect the producers. And that's a long tradition here. It's just the way it is. And I, I want to make a point about Air Canada, and that is that we gave them billions of dollars in bailouts so they would not have to fire their staff during the pandemic. And guess what? Now that this chaos has ensued, they're saying... We're short of staff. So where did that money go? Yeah, but this, this Libby is getting onto the, the critical point in all of this. It's, don't, it's not just one thing. There's this buildup of things across um, what I would consider to be basic services in this country that the public is increasingly or decreasingly, I should say, confident in. And it's, it's, it's kind of shocking uh, uh, the degree to which these things have, st- have started to unravel. And um, this is about more than just, you know, two days worth of a problem here. Well, um, I, I, the I absolutely so many things. I absolutely agree with you. And I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, you know, there are people who are saying we've wrecked the public service. Where's the public service? Well, well except the, the public service didn't get wrecked. The public service was actually quite comfortable. Well, exactly. So some people are blaming the government for wrecking the public service, except they were getting full pay, uh, you know, 
supposedly working from home. But the results of their working from home is what you have just been talking about, Daryl. Yeah, well, and, and I mean, and that's that's the thing in all of this, right? The facts speak for themselves. So what I think is going to happen here is it's building up to a, a, a certain reckoning. I don't know where it's going to take place or how it's going to take place. They typically take place around election campaigns, but there isn't going to be one at the national level in this country for another three years, allegedly. Uh, but you're you're seeing all of the impetus behind, you know, the, I would say the more um, uh, 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 vociferous complaints that are happening out there, finding a wider audience, that, 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 that these things are coming together and, and could potentially um, accumulate around certain types of political options in this country, that could be a real challenge to the status quo. Well, it, we see that happening. Very interesting over the next couple of years. We see that happening right now with uh, the the chaotic leadership race for the conservatives and the populist option. And I guess people will have to ask themselves, will the, is the way to fix this to elect people who don't believe in much government? I mean, I don't know. It's coming. Well, people who are, who are outside the political establishment, I think, that have been governing us for so long. Like, you, you need to, like, the, uh, all parties are so beholden to these corporations, and you need to break that. And I don't know how you do it without getting an outsider party in or, a, you know, a populist leader. But um, all the big parties, uh, conservatives and liberals, are beholden to these corporations, and, and they're not going to want to rock that boat either. Okay, getting back to Rogers and and this issue about the landlines. So I got an email clarifying the technology behind this and it, it was it's quite amusing so I want to read it. We we also have callers about it. it. Said, "Hi Libby, I heard you referring to yourself as a dinosaur regarding having a home phone, but that your phone wasn't working. I too have a Rogers home phone, but it uses a modem and is as vulnerable as a cell phone. To be a true dinosaur, you need to retain a bell line that is wired to a jack and goes over the old-fashioned bell system. So (laughs) I don't know if I'm happy or upset at not being a true dinosaur. (laughs) What what about you, David? Can you find a wire somewhere in the house that's dust-covered and been ignored for all these years and fish it out and it turns out that it's still alive and well. I don't know. The jack, uh, you mean. But, well, the jack leading to what, you know? <laughs> well, the, the thing is... What's like coming the, down off those poles out on the street? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> Go ahead, Peter. The, 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 like the, the, I went to the, the Bell, um, you know, the, the home phone, which isn't really a landline, and uh, because it only, it, I mean, it's basically thrown in in a bundle, right? Like, it, if you have a landline, it's going to cost hundred dollars a month or not? Or what? So, you know, uh, really? But, yeah, they're they're very expensive now. Um, <laughs> if you can even get one, but so when you get the bundle, you get you get the the the. I think with with uh, with Bell, it's like um, I, I I don't know what it is, but I know it's not an actual landline because it's it's not it's hooked up to a cable rather than to. To the telephone wire. Okay, so not even all Bell landlines worked. Right. Uh, I did, but uh, don't know why. We got ostensibly a landline, a phone <laughs> number that we've never activated. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, this is all That's in the, how out of touch we the, are. <laughs> in the good to know, in the good to know file. So, yeah. so even getting a Bell landline isn't going to help matters. And and. No. 
even if people had, you know, Wi-Fi, because I know I had to do an interview with somebody who at first said, you know, I have a Rogers phone, but I'm in a hotel with Wi-Fi. The, that phone did not no, work. No. Uh, people, people want to talk. Okay, let's, uh, let's go to Darko in Etobicoke. And yes, Darko, you're right. Those, those landlines work off the internet. So too yeah, bad. I know I, I'm, I'm on Bell now, but because I got the cheaper phone rate, as yeah. I found out, when my modem or anything comes through my modem is down, my phone is dead, yeah. right? So you have to pay your 30 bucks, and if you want a service, it's going to go up to 50 bucks if you want the actual old Bell landline. But I wonder, like, if, uh, you know, if you have one of those phones plugged in, even though it's not in service, like cell phones will work 911 if nothing else works. Oh, they if didn't you, work on Friday, 911. Yeah, yeah. So, th- but on the, there, they, they, like, say, even if you didn't have, like, the actual Bell landline, but if you had a phone hooked up, should, they have a system that you always have 911 access through it, even though you're on, like, say, like an internet voiceover phone system. Right. But that, that for a while, they got that up and running, I think, before other things. But 911. Not at the beginning. Not at the beginning, for sure. 911 wasn't working. Darko, thanks for your call. Let's go to Thank Nina. You. In Toronto. Hi, Nina. Hey, good morning, Libby. Uh, good afternoon mm-hmm. to both of you. Yeah, I, um, when I was researching saving uh, extra $86 a month, I decided not to switch because I, in my research all those years ago, and as people are already saying now, they called it a home phone, which sound, it's semantics. It was a home phone, true, you got to keep your number, but it wasn't using hard wires mounted to your house and out, out onto the street. Bell Canada does that as well. They over, they offer a service like a home phone, but a real hardwired phone is, is only offered, and I don't work for Bell or anything, but it's only offered from Bell Canada, the old fashioned, uh, way of, of doing it. Uh, so in the end, I decided to pay the extra $86 oh. and uh, just suck it up, buttercup. You know what I mean? <laughs> yep. Yep. I guess, I guess you're, you're glad that you did. Well, and... I did because people, my next door neighbor, for example, was panic stricken because several times a day, and this is to your point earlier about heart attacks and such, several times a day, bless her heart, she calls her mother far farther away to remind her to take this pill. Okay, now you have to take that pill. Now she was panic stricken and and needed to you know, thank goodness for me and she knew that I had a landline for the na- nature of my business, uh, and was using my phone. And then you know, of course gladly offering it to her. And and as a little bit of a, a funny PS to it, I wanted to go to the grocery store and uh down at uh, Fiesta Farms, I think you go there too. Lizzie. I go there too. <laughs> and I didn't know if they were open. So, of course, our instinct is to Google the phone number. And I went, oh, silly me, I can't do that. And then I thought, clever me, I have kept my yellow pages, my community. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just looked it up. I just looked it up, phoned up. They were open. Yes, ma'am, we are taking credit cards and cash. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I stopped at two places to get little breakfasty things. Yeah. And I used my credit card at both of them. Uh, because they were on a bell system. But the other side of this is another dinosaur thing that I do is that I almost always carry some cash. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I've, I've even done stories on the coming cashless 
society. And uh, you know what? Uh, that is a godsend because maybe you need a carton of milk. Well, my daughter was um, yep. going to dinner that night with a friend and they phoned, they used my line to phone and find out that they were open, but they said, we're only accepting cash. So everybody was scrounging around. Well, I've got 40, I've got 60, uh, just <laughs> trying to true. get them to help to support the restaurant and also for the, for the birthday celebration as well. But one thing that I'm really, really um, smiling about in a bit of a, a shoyden frowd away or whatever that word is, uh, there are plenty of places that say we refuse to accept cash now. Yep. Uh, <laughs> the, the, my favorite coffee place across the street. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> and that really gets my shorts in a twist, Libby, because I'm thinking, when did cash not become legal tender? If you're opening a shop and you're, you have things for sale, this is legal tender. And if maybe as a dinosaur, you prefer cash as opposed to anything else, if I want to get really argumentative, this is ageism. Uh, it's all kinds of isms, but you know, you own a business, you can do what you want. You can say it's all vegan. Uh, you can say there's no cash. I, I remember once under a previous owner, you know, running in in a break and saying, gee, I'm sorry, all I have is cash. And, uh, the answer was no. No, your cash is no good here. <laughs> your cash, your money is no good here. And you know, what, what? So uh, one of the things that I think this, there's many lessons, but one of the cash lessons from what happened last week is that maybe they'll put the brakes on this business of, wait a minute, wait a minute, do we really want to go totally cashless? Look how everything falls apart in a heartbeat when this happens. Okay, yeah. Nina, thanks for your call. Uh, and that's right. I mean, you know, I'm I'm wondering, Daryl, does 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 this take us back? I mean, I know you're talking about the breakdown is a huge issue, but this does this kind of take us back to a time before? Well, it may very well, but you know, you're you're, you're getting into kind of a primal thing, and it's kind of a little bit beside the point. I mean, yeah, so everybody's going to have their war story from how they got through this or what their inconvenience was or whatever. But the real question is why? Why did this happen? And what else are we exposed to? I mean, the, the, the truth in all of this is we've had an answer from, from uh, the company that this happened to. They were doing a systems upgrade and knocked the entire country, or at least half the country, off the grid, which made people resort to this kind of a situation. Well, that's not supposed to happen. It's not supposed to happen. So how do we allow ourselves to get into this situation? Um, and the, the lack of confidence that people have now as a result of what they have just been through opens up all sorts of issues about how they're going to respond in the future to prevent themselves from getting into that situation. I actually think that, um, as I said before at the start of this, that this is part of a long chain of things that are really leading to a lot of these types of conversations in individual households around Canada, and uh, people are not happy. This is just one more example. So, uh, I mean, I, I'm just looking at the phone lines lighting up. I mean, people are really thinking about where this leaves us. Peter, I mean, I don't know, have you heard from readers? Um, I haven't, because... Uh the 
the this we posted a story on Friday on it, and there was no response because no one read it because no one was online. So I, I'm not. I, I haven't really taken the pulse, but Daryl Daryl would, would probably uh, know better. But um, certainly, ju- just judging by the phone lines and from the casual conversations I've had with people, they, there is this this sense that maybe we've gone too far with these. Uh, you know, with these huge monopolies and, and something needs to be done to either break them up or, or encourage more competition. Certainly that that feeling exists out there. And, and, and what we always say in Canada is look at the states. This would never happen in the states. And, uh, and uh, perhaps that's right. But it would happen, and it is <laughs> in the states as well. Okay, we are going to take a break now, and we will be right back. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Zneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. I am here with the Zoomer squad and we are continuing our conversation on the huge Rogers outage on Friday and the implications of it going forward. And we're also talking to people in the audience because obviously they want to vent. So let us begin with that. Let's go to David in Toronto. Hi, David. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. Go ahead. You're on the air. Thank you. Uh, I just want to uh, go back to the year 2004 when we had that major power outage in uh, Ontario, Quebec, and northern uh, Ohio. Right. Bell was there. I had my landline then. I've still got my landline now. Okay, yeah, that was that was a different thing where the the problem was power and electricity and that was uh that was not a good thing. I remember being stuck in that. I think we were driving. Uh that was kind yeah. of difficult. We were we were on the way up to York to watch a tennis game, I think. It was really quite something. Uh so I guess, you know, these things happen but Daryl, it happens to Rogers. They had the same thing happen for less time a year ago, and it was the same reason. It was an update they were doing. Yeah, and and one wonders in this world in which uh, you know foreign actors and in some instances terrorist organizations have figured out that you can have more of an effect on a society by knocking out things like this and some of the other things that they've been doing. How well prepared our security establishment is to prevent something like this. Well, yeah, that is a very... This is something that was, you know, an update thing. Okay, well, let's accept them at the word at this stage of the game. But we really don't know why it happened. So, you know, it's we're so vulnerable with these things. And I, you know, fully acknowledge that uh, people are sort of working their way uh, back to, you know, whether it's a landline or whether they should have cash on hand or sort of alternatives for these kinds of things. But that's not the way this is supposed to be going. We're supposed to be going in another direction. And, And to find out that it doesn't work is a shock. And, and when it's a public good, which this basically is, which is not something that you, we've essentially got a duopoly in this country, consumers have no choice. Well, have no choice. And that's just not the way it's supposed to be. Well, exactly. But, you know, the, I guess the question is, haven't we always been vulnerable? Like we've had a big blackout in 2004. But you it know. is, but it, but I completely agree with Daryl, but I would point out that it is the way it's supposed to be because the conscious policy of the government has always been, let's have a big institution 
Let's get rid of all the messiness of lots of little players competing with each other. Let's trust the mothership, the big ship. And whether it's uh, an airline or a public utility or the the um, bias is toward size and regulation and protect the producer and the consumer can just, you yes. know, uh, take whatever we give them. And I think Daryl's right in saying there may be a, a big sea change now because what's happening is whether it's a healthcare system, whether it's the cell phone system, whether it's the airline system, the public is getting fed up with the inability of these big institutions to execute, just blocking and tackling. This isn't political ideology. This is this is these systems are supposed to work and they're not working. And the response from the institutions tends to be fairly tone deaf. I mean, we had our minister of finance say that high gas prices are good because it reminds us of the importance of uh, fighting against global warming. I mean, that so out of tune with what people mm. are worried about that it's almost, you know, thrilling how she gets to that place and occupies it. But you're seeing this big disconnect between what the what's been called the laptop class thinks matters and is important and the verbiage and the posturing and the virtue signaling. And they can't deliver the basics. They cannot deliver. And I think Daryl's got exactly right. The resentment of this is building and building and building. And I think a lot of regimes are going to be toppled going forward. I, I agree, but I don't see anybody that can deliver. That's my problem. Oh, I'm, not, I'm not disagreeing and, with you. Yeah. Let's hear from Carolyn in Halliburton. Hi, Carolyn. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to let you know I am a true dinosaur. Uh, we have a Bell landline that's hardwired in, and I've had it for many, many years. It costs us just under $30 a month, 29 and change with tax. And uh, we live in a rural environment, and we needed to be sure to be able to communicate with the outside world because we get storms and trees down on lines and that sort of thing. And in all the years we've been up here, we've never been without service. Uh, we uh, have been told that um, if that should happen, for whatever reason, that the phone service has the ability for us to dial out, but we've never had to test it. So for those that are... Probably good to test it. $80 figure that other lady mentioned, as I said, we have ours for 30 Okay, well, I don't know if that's grandfathered. Maybe it's more expensive for people in the city who have to get the wire in. But, Carolyn, thanks for that, and I'm uh, glad to hear that you're good. Uh, I mean, again, who knows? Uh, you know, it, it, it is an incredibly vulnerable feeling to think that you cannot call out in an emergency. And uh, there's this whole issue of compensation, Peter, because they said, okay, we'll compensate you. But uh, if they compensate a business that lost a lot of money with one day's worth of Internet service, I don't think that'll cut it. Yeah, they're, they're going to have to uh, figure that out. Um, I, I would say, though, there, there is a, um, uh, a scam text making its way around. Oh. So if you get a text saying, uh, click here to apply for a Rogers rebate on the internet outage. Don't click there because that is, um, 
that's scammers taking advantage of a bad situation. So just a little PSA there. Okay, well, the other part of the PSA is if you ever get any text that says click here for a money-related thing, do not click. Okay, right. Good rule. Good rule of thumb. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Daryl, how does that complicate things if you have scammers coming out in the woodwork, you know, seizing the opportunity? I would think that it adds to the feeling of breakdown. So exactly what is the cybersecurity in this country that people can so easily do that? I mean, this is this is where it all adds up. I mean, you, you've got a landline for 30 bucks, kind of besides the point. <laughs> it's like, okay, so you got through this fine. Let's roll up something else in which you wouldn't get through it fine. It's these basic things that the public sector is supposed to be responsible for that aren't getting done. The fact that somebody could roll out a scam like that and there's no way to shut it down, from the government and from our regulators and from our police forces tells you everything that the problem is here. Is there a country in the world that could shut down a scam like that? You know what? I don't know, but it's going to raise all sorts of questions about why it happens. I mean, we saw situations in the United States, for example, where whole uh, power grids and power networks were taken over by, by scammers where they had to pay enormous amounts of, uh, of, 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 uh, of graft. To, 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 to buy off ransom people who are to, yeah to, ransom. to do this okay so if we can knock off the entire Rogers system and shut down half the country because somebody got their security got their update wrong how vulnerable are we about all of these things and that you can actually get out these types of uh, uh, scams that were just uh, being described so easily and so quickly and so efficiently in comparison to for example getting back our internet service and everything else, which took two days, what does that tell you about the regulatory environment we find ourselves in? Regulations ultimately help the regulated in this type of situation. They don't help the consumers. So something there's going to be a push to change a number of these things. I just don't know how it's going to emerge, but that level of angst, anxiety, dissatisfaction, and disappointment that's building up in the Canadian public around so many things is going to find a place to spring out. I just don't know where it is. And and you know what? You, you've done a perfect promo for our next segment because I'm going to be talking to Professor Richard LeBon about exactly those questions. How vulnerable are we and what can the government do? They've summoned Tony Staffieri, but, you know, what's, what is going to come out of that? I'm just going to take one more very quick call before I say goodbye to our panel. Barry in North York. Afternoon. This is for your experts. Um, I just wanted to know how effective you think, if everybody that was upset about this, and a lot of people are, if they contacted their MP, would that really change things? How are we going to contact our MP if we don't have email, <laughs> phone, text, <laughs> smoke signals? I mean, now. <laughs> now, I know. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, that's a good suggestion. <laughs> what can I say? We're throwing up our hands here. Uh, Barry, good point. And I will also be asking Professor LeBlanc about that merger. I mean, merging Rogers and Shaw, I can't see how that's making anything better, but I'm going to give each of our panelists 20 seconds, starting with Peter. Well, the the moral of the story is um, we have too many, we have too few competitors in this country. We have an overregulated 
industry, communications industry, we need to do something about it, but how, like, how is that anything ever going to get done about it if we keep electing the same people from the same political establishment? It's never going to change. Daryl? Yeah, just to, just to add to that, I mean, this is a root and branch problem. I mean, this is, how did it happen? The why of what happened is really the important thing here. The what happened and how people dealt with it, somewhat of a trivial kind of thing, but it'll be the thing that fascinates a lot of people in conversation. The thing that to really get on is exactly what was just, what was just raised. How, how did this happen? Why did it happen? Because that's ultimately the question we have to answer here. David, last 20 seconds. Can we create in the public service a culture of customer satisfaction as meaning anything at all, um, as opposed to just business as usual? I'm doubtful, but until you have that sea change, until they care more about delivering uh, satisfied customers, uh, it's not going to change. Okay. I'm sure we'll be talking about this more, and people, if you couldn't get through, uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about this more, even before Free For All Friday. Thank you so much, Peter Mugridge, Daryl Bricker, and uh, and David Kravitz. Thank you, Libby. Thanks, everyone. Okay, we are taking a break. And when we come back, as promised, Dr. Richard LeBlanc talking more about Rogers. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. And as promised, we are going to Professor Richard LeBlanc to talk more about the Rogers fiasco. And as we've been reporting, the CEO has been summoned to meet with the industry minister, François-Philippe Champagne, this afternoon. What, if anything, is the government likely to do about this? Also, as we were trying to drill down to in our last segment, what exactly is our vulnerability? Can the whole system be hacked? We've been told this time that it was the result of a system update, but I know a lot of us were wondering if it was actually a hack before we heard that. And what, what if any impact will this have on Rogers' proposed $26 billion merger with Shaw? That will make even less competition in this country. Uh, Dr. Richard LeBlanc, thanks so much for being with us. My pleasure, Libby. Okay, so uh, those are the questions. Uh, first of all, um, what what is your take on the explanation? Well, I'm I'm not sure that it should be a closed door meeting. It uh, the minister. This is a public issue. And I think the, this, the, I mean, if this had happened in the United States, the three telecom CEOs would be, would be swearing an oath uh, and would be in front of a panel of uh, elected politicians answering questions. So it's not clear to me why the meeting is behind closed doors um, um, to begin with. Um, you mentioned the hack. I, I you know, the, it, this. I was actually working because I, I was working around, you know, four forty-five, five a.m. and and then it went down. And you know, I six o'clock, seven o'clock, and I I went outside and I checked the wires and I called a technical assistant around hmm. seven a.m. and he said it's across Canada. Um, and we had not heard anything from Rogers until about nine a.m. I my first thought, and I've been through cyber breaches with, um, with advising uh, a board that ultimately made a payout to Russian threat actors. The first thing I thought of when it was nationwide was 
was a Russian uh, threat actor um, attempting to secure a Bitcoin payment. And I, and I think Rogers did not, in my view, adequately um, come out during the course of the day with even even to the best of our knowledge, information and belief, this is not a hack. That would have been helpful for Canadians. So I think the way that they managed the crisis was was not uh, ideal. Um, you also mentioned, comp, you know, the, the sector uh, competition uh, law. I mean, you know, competition, enhancing competition is one way to get at this, but a market-based solution um, by admitting other telecoms, um, w- w- you know, is one way to go. But normally, it, it's a lack of federal regulation um, over the internal controls. I mean, a maintenance upgrade should not result in in the paralysis of networks across Canada. So there's a, a number of lessons to be learned here. You know, one is crisis management. Two is um, is is the role of the government. There were there were nine one one. It wasn't possible. Land. It did not work in emergency situations. So I think what what I'm hearing from Canadians is that this telecom now is increasingly becoming so important, um, almost like sort of communication and electricity is was you know thirty or forty years ago that there needs to be a public good. There needs to be public. There needs to be strengthened regulation over switching um, and redundancy so that when uh, but, an outage uh, does happen, you can switch. Okay, but uh, so this happened a year ago Yeah, with the same explanation. So first of all, you believe the explanation then? Uh, uh, well, again, I have no way of validating that it. It's an assertion uh, by the CEO. I'm not questioning the CEO's integrity, but it happened twice, as you, as you say, twice in 15 months. So, and that was my original point about having hearings in, in public. Uh, um, so the root cause I think is important, but uh, I, you know, I fault, I don't just fault Rogers. I fault the federal government. Um, and I guess that's where I'm, I'm leading to this, particularly the CRTC and Industry Canada. And I regularly work with regulators and I, I can tell you that when I, for, for example, a financial Regulator, let's take OSFI that regulates all the banks and 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 uh, across Canada. The level of regulation of a financial institution in Canada is night and day. I mean, it's 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 right into the actual internal controls that are used over banking transactions. So I think, um, you know, one regulator said to me recently that that uh, threat actors and telecoms are at a high school level. Sorry, telecoms are at a high school level, and threat actors are at a World Cup level. Threat actors and and uh, regulators, uh, regulators are at a high school level. So I think regulators, when it comes to technology, are playing catch up. Okay, but let me let me ask you this: uh, Are you saying then that you believe the federal government could successfully regulate us out of this vulnerable position? Yes, yes, and it's, how so? Uh, by strengthening uh, the internal controls that are required for a, a maintenance upgrade or a software upgrade um, that require third-party independent verification. This, I mean, this does not happen with successful U.S. companies such as Apple when they roll out new products and, and, a, and a software update. Um, so choices are made in terms of the interconnectivity of the various systems across the country. And typically, and I'm generalizing now, management does not like internal controls because they cost money. So, so there's, there's a natural tendency to 
to, to trust management if you're a board and have degrees of freedom unless and until regulators uh, go right into, and I'm suggesting going right into the weeds and prohibiting certain courses of action that Rogers ultimately took that, that caused, I mean, this is a causal, this is not human error. There's a, there's a cause and effect for every action. So what I'm suggesting is regulation needs to be strengthened by the federal government. That's, that's what I'm suggesting. It's, and is, is there a way, if the federal government has the will to do that, and that is a very big if, yeah. is there a way for them to get it done quickly? Yes. I mean, you just have to put resources behind it. And as you said, Libby, you have to have the courage to do it. Uh, there, there's always been a, a, a permissiveness in, with the telecoms in Canada, and, and, and you get what you regulate. So at the end of the day, you've got Telus Bell and Rogers that you know, have, may, may not have made the requisite investments for, for internal control structures within the organization, and relying solely on the board of directors um, you, you, it's been my experience that companies will not do things unless they're forced to do it. So that the force comes with the regulate with the, the regulation. And, and your question is actually the better question. It's is do does the CRTC and Industry Canada have the courage to be able to act in the public interest? I mean, a, a good crisis should never be wasted. And I and I think this. I mean, if this doesn't rise to the level of a, of, a, of a crisis, I'm not sure what is. And you know, this could have been much worse. This could have been. I was proceeding Friday morning under the assumption that it was we were we were we meaning the country was subject to a a Russian uh, threat actor. And I, given our activities in Ukraine right now, we're certainly on Mr. Putin's radar screen. And many of the threat actors are are paid by the government. They they're young. They're twenty five to thirty five. They have PhDs. They're they're paid by the Russian government to target North American infrastructure. Until until Rogers came out in the morning saying, uh, you know, it's an inter- and these are my words. It's, in a, it's an internal issue. This could have been much worse. We we imagine not having internet for 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 ten days on, until a payment is made. So I think we dodged a bullet, and I, I I think for reform to occur, we cannot rely on Rogers. We have to rely on 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 federal regulation. And I think we're large. And when you look, and I'm a governance expert, when you look at the technical experts, the technology professors, they they will they're agreeing with me that we really need an overhaul of of our tech of our technology regulation. Let me ask you something else. And that is that $26 billion merger that's on the table now. Um, does this make approval less likely? And if it is approved, will things get even worse? I think the answer to the first question is, is yes. And I think the answer to the second question is yes. This makes it less likely because uh, there's a public outcry of not putting all of your eggs in one basket, uh, especially when you, when, you, when you look at bundling of services and fewer people uh, and relying on fewer entities i mean we generally when you when you have lack of competition you have inferior service to customers and you have higher costs to customers and that's what we have in canada we pay some of the higher highest costs in 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 the world for for telecom services so what we should have is multiple players not piggybacking because uh piggybacking means if 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 a major player goes down, the, the minor players also go down, and that happened you know, in this outage as well, but, but um, fully functioning, independent of each other, uh, um, te- telecoms that compete, and including switching costs, so that if one 
goes down in an emergency, you don't have the barriers to entry that you do now, which is you can't you can't really switch from Rogers to Bell in an emergency. And that those and the reason you have that is because it's not regulated. Bellison, Bell, sorry, Bell, Bell, Tellus, and Rogers engage in these barriers because they can, because it's not regulated. So regulation needs to address why this happened, as your previous speaker said, and also preventing it from happening again in the future. So I, I place the blame not only on Rogers, but I place the blame largely on the federal government. And given that they have an agreement with the NDP and they have three more years to run and the opposition, uh, the conservative opposition looks to be in some kind of disarray, uh, what do you think might happen? Well, I think as, as one of your previous speakers said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing, don't hold your breath because we just we have the same. And I think the words were until we keep electing the same political class. I mean, Trudeau, for all intents and purposes, has a majority government with the support of the NDP. So there's no excuse not to not to strengthen uh, regulation to deter this type of market uh, occurrence in the future. And if nothing is done, and, and I guarantee you there are Russian actors in, in, in China and North Korea, and when you look at the five eyes, uh, and, and NIST and the technology standards that are out there. There, there, there are threat actors all the time that are um, looking at what, what is happening in Canada. We might even have domestic threat actors that are feeding information to, to Russia and China. This, this last weekend was a, learning, was, a, was a learning opportunity, and it is now in their playbook, which let, is you can attack a telecom company to, to cripple a country. Let, let me ask you this. Um, we talked about the scams that have cropped up mm-hmm. in the wake of this, and uh, I asked uh, Daryl Bricker if he knew, does if he knew of a country in the world that could have stopped the scams. Is there a country in the world that could stop the kind of scams that we are seeing cropping up in the wake of this? Yeah, I think that uh, you know you're going to, you have organized crime involved in cybersecurity, and they're very sophisticated, and the scams came up. Right after uh, this was this was uh, uh, th- this outage occurred, you know, can you can you prevent it? You certainly can deter it with with uh, enhanced uh, regulation. You might ultimately not be able to prevent it, but um, uh, you, you know, you you need enough internal controls and robustness and perimeter testing and resiliency and redundancy planning to block the bad guys, and that can be done. It, but, but it won't be done by just be, by just relying on companies. You have to rely on the government to get ahead of it and to force companies to spend the money. Rogers and, and the telecoms are enjoying an oligopoly. They are making millions of dollars for their investors and their shareholders. There's no incentive to augment internal controls unless you're forced to do it. And that, that, that compelling comes from the government. So it's a lot of courage. You've, you've, you've got to look at the threat actors and, and what their level of sophistication is and you don't want to be 10 steps behind. Right now, we're probably 50 steps behind, but we want to be, you know, right behind, not where we are now. This is an accident waiting to happen if, if the federal government does not act. Okay, last 20 seconds, what would you like to leave us with? Well, we, we and I, I don't mean to be overstating this, we dodged a bullet. And uh, I think that it's incumbent on the government to be transparent and to strengthen uh, oversight of telecoms so that we we don't have uh, a, a third uh, kick at the can. We've had two in 15 months. The writing is on the wall. 
eyes need to be wide open and we need to have meetings in public. Okay. That's a good idea. Thank you so much, Dr. Richard LeBlanc. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And that is all the time we have for today. Jane Brown will be in the chair tomorrow, and I'll be back on Wednesday. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.